When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute provides educators access to nonfiction 9-11 resources for K-12, first-person curriculum with video, Discovering Heroes book series for kids, and a speakers bureau with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. A high-tech 83-foot tractor trailer that transforms into an interactive museum with artifacts and Russell F. Siller Memorial Scholarships for exemplary high school students of program recipients preparing for college. Never forget, donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello? Oh, hey there, Miss Adams. How are you? Oh, no, I'm good. Listen, can Tasia come outside? She No, we're we not going to jump her. No, just, just ask her, can she come outside for a little while? We just want her to come out just for a little while. Oh, she can't. Y'all, y'all are concerned about her safety? Okay, that's fine. Tell her, tell her I'll catch her at school tomorrow. Thank you. It's your weekly reality roundup episode of Me and You, The Housewives, and Marvel 2. Let's do it. My God, we have finally made it to the end of this bachelorette journey. I don't know why I feel like I've been on this ride as long as we've been on this Potomac ride. And Jesus knows, we. I feel like we have been watching Potomac since August of last year. This has been the longest damn season. I'm so glad that this upcoming Sunday or next, whenever the hell, whenever part three airs, I'm so so glad it's going to be the last damn time we got to talk about Potomac for a while because they have worn my ass out. I'm telling you, I don't know what to do about them no more. Ooh, listen, we're going to talk about a little bit. I, I want to give y'all an early episode just so we could talk about, you know, Atlanta, talk about Potomac, and of course, talk about the two night bachelorette season finale. And we got to talk about if she picked my person how she got there. Uh, do we need justice for anybody? Who do we want our next bachelor to be? All of that. We got to discuss all of that. Oh, but you know what? I'm going to actually finish this off with the bachelorette. I don't know how long I planned on making this episode, but my notes are long as hell. I'm going to, I was aiming to make this a little mini episode, you know, hit everything, you know, since, since the early episode, we're not talking about Salt Lake City. 
that's okay. Uh, from what I see in the previews, Jen cuts up. So make sure y'all tune into that. It'll be uh, Wednesday when you hear this. So go ahead and tune in. We'll talk about that next time. And woo, let's go ahead and get into the Real Housewives of Atlanta without further a damn do. Listen, as a black person, the Real Housewives of Atlanta is giving me everything I need this year. I am so glad we're not glossing over everything that happened this year. And we're actually getting a perspective from black women who are not only, uh, you know, raising black children and, you know, they're afraid of what the world is going to do to their children. We're actually getting to see them out there being activists themselves. The episode opens up with uh, Portia, you know, speaking on their black background. I love those black interview looks when they're, uh, you know, they're going to talk about civil rights or they're going to talk about the movements that are going on. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, uh, Jacob Blake. And they're going to talk about all of that. You know, they got their black background up. I love it all. We kick it off with Portia back in Louisville uh, protesting for Breonna Taylor. Now, this next sentence I say is very important. You know, Mal- uh, Tamika Mallory reached out to Portia initially. And uh, that's the reason why Portia went down there because, you know, she knows that she has a, a level of celebrity and it, you know, it, she wanted to use her celebrity for a better cause. And that's apparently going to be a big issue in this upcoming episode when Kenya makes a statement that's already reverberating across social media and people are lighting her ass up under those comments. We go, you know, I'm going to try to wait until the new year when the episode airs and then we'll talk about that. But I love the fact that they didn't just use this episode to kind of talk about uh, the current things that are going on. You know, Breonna Taylor and uh, George Floyd, which is what we've talked about on the show previously. They, Portia used her platform to talk about Bloody Sunday and to talk about how uh, Hosea Williams, her grandfather, was there and how they feel like they're having their own Selma moment. Now, for those of you who don't know, Bloody Sunday there were like three, there were three marches back in, ooh, what's the year? I want to say 1960, I was going to say 64, I think it's 1965. They, uh, with all the marches that were going along, along the uh, uh, highway in Selma, and it was all to get black people the right to vote. It ended up leading towards the uh, Voting Rights Act the year, and you know, which of course, which is why we all have the right to vote now. Uh, don't fuck with our ancestors, how about that? And, you know, it's not often, you know, we've talked about Hosea Williams in the past and on the show that is, and the things that he's contributed to. I mean, wow, it's so good to to actually, I'm loving that all these mainstream media, look, you know, I love to talk about the Watchmen anytime anybody will listen. We're seeing all these different forms of media bringing up different moments in black history that kind of defined our trajectory. Uh, this this whole march in Selma was one of them. Obviously, it helped lead to uh, getting us the right to vote. And everything in Selma that year was all leading towards uh, different civil rights acts that we definitely needed passed. And, you know, now they're trying to pass some new civil rights acts. So y'all need to keep your eyes and ears open and see where you need to go uh, to the poll and vote. Okay. The thing that... Whew, it was a lot. These episodes are usually heavy when they start off like this, but I love to see it anyway because we've seen uh, her grandfather highlighted on the show before, but I feel like never in this kind of capacity, and it's it's good to see. Now, let me go on to the mess because I know y'all are ready to uh, <laughs> talk about the mess that happens in these episodes. I might be focusing on the wrong shit, 
is it me or Drew Sidora, can you cook? I'm really not sure. I was, you know, I was watching you make them pancakes for them kids and them pancakes, they look ghost white. It, it was looking like Casper the Friendly Ghost. I don't know. Them kids, look, <laughs> it looked like you were serving them kids eggs white. I was like, you said your pancakes are ready. I said, oh, pancake. I thought you was giving them some sunny side up eggs. Girl, what is that? I, I would have started crying like, oh, mommy, it tastes like your cooking came from IHOP. <laughs> Not Waffle House. This tastes like IHOP, mama. Oh, this shit nasty. Oh. They all go into the living room because past the mama Jeanette, Drew Sidor's mama, she wants to practice her uh, sermon for either the next day or the upcoming weeks, whatever. But she's written her sermon out. And so funny. I remember being a kid and my uncle writing out his sermons because he was a deacon in the church. And uh, the pastor would let him get up there and give a sermon, you know, every so often, probably once a month. And we, you know, we'd all have to go to church that Sunday. You know, we'd be in the back pew. Uh, there would be the best four hours of sleep of my life. But we finally got up and, he, you know, he'd take us to the buffet afterwards. I don't know how I got on this track. What the hell am I talking about? Oh, she starts saying the name of her sermon. And the name of her sermon is called Bridle Your Tongue. And she looks right at Ralph when she says to Bridle Your Tongue. And they like, well, wait a minute. What the hell are you looking at me for? They started going in on Ralph little petty ass. That whole conversation led me to believe, and this is going to sound crazy to some of y'all, but it led me to believe that they will not work out their marriage issues as long as they are all under the same house. And I mean that as saying man and wife along with the mother of the bride. They cannot all be in the same house and work through their marriage. He is going to always feel like it's two against one. Now, granted, it should be two against one because Ralph's ass is wrong 99.9% of the time. But he's one of those slick talking motherfuckers that'll talk you out your draws and then convince you to buy your own Uber home. That's the kind of shit he does. You know what, Ralph? We see through you. We see each other. As long as the mama is living in that house, though, she's going to always call out the stuff that he does. He is not going to appreciate it. And that's what's going to ultimately lead to them having whatever kind of relationship qualms that they're going to have. Ralph, listen, you might get ganged up on, but every time they gang up on you, make sure you listen because most likely you wrong. I've only known you for two episodes now, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, Ralph, you were wrong. I, I don't even know what the issue was. You were wrong. If she told you to bring back milk and you brought back milk, Ralph, you were wrong. If she said, can you uh, go pick up my car from work and you went and picked up her car from work, Ralph, you were wrong. I don't know what makes you wrong in those situations, but after knowing you for two episodes, Ralph, you were wrong. We get to see a lot of kind of girl power in this episode. We see a, uh, a couple of different friendship groups forming and it's kind of nice to see. Now look, Kenya and Latoya, are messy as hell, but, but they funny as fuck. I'm not going to lie. Now look, that whole scene, I know I should have been saying shame on y'all shame, but I was laughing my ass off. They are funny as hell. Not even when they were shading other people, but when they just were interacting, everything about them was funny. I'm, I look forward to seeing their relationship grow throughout this season. I will say this though, them naming that girls, uh, damn pet Druisha, uh, that damn, Wig she had on, y'all low down, but that shit was funny as hell. The other piece of girl power we kind of get is when uh, Portia and Lauren go pick up Tanya from her house and they go over to Fallon's house. Now, you know, if you've been online, 
if you've been on my page, you've seen me repost Fallon a few times. Fallon is kind of some of the new blood we get introduced to this season. Not necessarily a friend of, but more of like a guest of. You know, we've seen on all of the Housewives shows, you don't necessarily get to know them the way you would get to know like a Marlo, who is a friend of. But you might, you know, she she come through for a little round the house, you know. She pop in every now and then. She give you the good fashions. She show you she rich and then she going on about her business. I think that's going to be Fallon's role. I look forward to seeing Fallon though. She invites them over. They all, we get to see Tanya again. You know, we haven't seen Tanya in a while. They all get in the hot tub and they start talking about everything going on again. Talking about the protests and Portia's telling her their experiences. And they also talk about everything that kind of happens during quarantine. Now, look, this has probably been one of the most relatable things. If you, if, if you or a loved one has been, so, no, <laughs> this is the most relatable thing because we all are going through this together. If you live with anybody during that time, I don't care if it's a cat, a dog, your mama, your brother, your husband, your sister, your cousin, your male man, your niece, your nephew. I don't care who it is. If you've lived with somebody during this quarantine, they have gotten on your damn nerves. Portia said her and Dennis started off like a honeymoon and five months later, they ready to get damn divorced. I know that's right. Now, look. If you around somebody all day long, can't leave the house, can't do this, can't do that, can't keep up with your normal schedule, you got to work in the other room, they hogging all the Wi-Fi, if that's, it's bound to create division no matter what the relationship is. I'm telling y'all, if you take a breath too big around somebody you've been quarantining with, it's going to set them off you take a breath too big they got you got to breathe every day god damn you just got to breathe today can you breathe tomorrow or can you breathe over there you got to breathe today D- damn all that damn breathing if somebody chews their food too late oh so so you just got to eat damn you hungry ain't you you got to eat today you can't wait and eat a, a, a sunday when i'm when i'm gonna try to be in the backyard all day and you be out here i'm listen that shit was the most relatable shit in the world. I'm so, I, I, <laughs> this year has been tough on every relationship I have. Every relationship you have, I'm sure too. I can't, this was some relatable shit. I can't do it and I know y'all can't either. What's really funny is we get to see all of this in practice with Drew and her husband. Drew and Ralph Tresman. <laughs> you know, it was only going to be a matter of time before I started calling that man Ralph Tresman. Drew and Ralph Tresman argue about every little thing they are the embodiment of what Portia was telling uh tanya and lauren in their car every time they argue <laughs> it is about some small those people are supposed to be packing and getting ready to move into a whole new brand new beautiful ass house and every argument about that house turns into a a, a damn uh, arguing about the well you didn't move the boxes damn give me time to move the boxes shit i'm gonna move them hold on well i can't be involved in the paperwork you can be involved in the paperwork you you want to do this by yourself don't it? it's real fun you just love playing in the house that shit listen it's funny to see it other people going through it but when you live in that shit <laughs> when you with other people during quarantine woo woo you better be madly in love because boy oh boy i tell y'all better hope uh these vaccines working, we don't all turn into uh, flying nuns or something because 
if we stuck back in the house again, woo woo, woo woo. But let's go ahead and get into the the crux of this episode, which is all about Cynthia's big ass two hundred and fifty people ass wedding. <sighs> Cynthia, the question of the episode is: Is Cynthia being selfish? For wanting a big ass wedding in the middle of a pandemic? The answer is yes. <laughs> Ain't no real way to spend it. I understand you in love with the man. You want to show him off to your guests. You want to have this big ass party, yada, yada, yada. But it is a pandemic. Look, ain't no way around it. You can have it if you want to. If people are willing to come, do what y'all do. But, you know, you can't act like people are crazy for saying that you need to postpone this wedding or make it smaller or have it at your house. Mike says he just wants to get married. Cynthia says she wants a big wedding. She says, I want a big wedding because of you. He says, I, I don't want a big wedding. That don't, you know, don't put that off on me. And then she's like, oh, well, I mean, uh, 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 wait a minute. I mean that I want a big wedding because it's my dream. Yeah, it's my dream to have a big wedding. I really, really, really want to have a big wedding. And so now they're arguing because Cynthia can't make up her mind. She keeps going back and forth when it seems like Cynthia, just say you want a big ass wedding and be done with it. You are causing all this unnecessary strife. And this man just like, look, don't be bringing me into it, acting like uh, playing on my intelligence. You know how we feel about people playing on our intelligence. Don't play on my intelligence like you doing this big wedding for me. I keep telling you, I don't care. I just want to get married on the date that we picked because it's our perfect date. Cynthia, let, come here. Come here like Tasia because, you know, I brought Tasia here earlier. She heard her with me. <laughs> I was about, you know what, Tage, I'm going to let you live for a little while. Cynthia, come here. Come come to the altar. Give your testimony real quick. Cynthia, 50 Cent, Sin, 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 Sin Santana. We are out here dying. And you worried about whether or not you go have stuffed mushrooms or bruschetta as an appetizer at your wedding. Cynthia, we out here pushing old people over at Walgreens to get these vaccines. And you worried about whether you're going to have lilacs or chrysanthemums at your wedding. We out here sweating in these hot ass masks. And you worried about whether or not you're going to have 250 guests sitting in folding lawn chairs. Or you go buy some of them high ass chairs from Wayfair. <laughs> from Wayfair. Y'all know Wayfair and them high ass chairs. I, ooh, I don't even get on Wayfair no more. They were so cheap. No, the hell y'all are. I go to Walgreens. I want to spend this damn much money on Walmart or Target. Or, I, I'm not paying all that. And then you got to ship it to me too. Forget, you know what? I didn't got mad. Cynthia, listen, quit trying to play on that man's intelligence. They got in that car and Mike and Cynthia still going at it. They were going toe-to-toe though. Cynthia was like, oh, hell no. Nah, you ain't going to put all this shit on me. They going at it, going at it. Mike got mad. He grabbed that camera and turned that shit off. <laughs> The whole episode when Mike cut off the whole damn episode. It was uh at eight forty three. I don't know what damn. What we gonna do the rest of these seventeen minutes? Now nah, it went off. We went right into Potomac after that. And as a matter of fact, uh, close the door. We going into Potomac right now, y'all. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't have the patience, <laughs> the mental capacity. Or anything in between anymore to keep talking about this fight. At this point, I really don't give a damn. Y'all know how I feel. I feel like Candace at no point in this season provoked any of that. 
I feel like Monique swung on a girl and then told us to lie for a whole year. It's whatever. We know that now. I mean, it, nothing in the footage. You know, everybody and their mama has examined that footage a million times. We, I, I can't do it no more. I want to talk about something else in this episode that truly, truly bothered me. And if you've ever listened to this podcast and if you ever watched this show, you should know exactly who... I'm talking about, and I'm talking about Michael damn Darby. Michael, I wish I was Thor Darby. Michael, I wish I was a Hemsworth, but I'm not. I'm not even uh, Luke Hemsworth, the one from Westworld, Darby. I'm so sick of your ass, Michael, and you're nasty and you're gross, and I don't blame you for not showing up to this reunion because they would have needed to get in your ass. You didn't come to this reunion because that clip surfaced. <sighs> Let's talk about it. The reverberating theme of this show is Ashley Darby defending her husband and defending her marriage. It's nothing new. We've seen it since episode uh, episode one of season one. There, well, actually season two. She wasn't on the first episode, I don't think. But you know what I mean. It's just, it, it it's a lot. We're constantly, constantly, constantly seeing Ashley defend Michael Darby's nastiness. And at this point, the episode was kind of gross to me. I'm not going to lie to you. We start off basically by wondering how long she going to deal with this damn man. I don't know. She It seems like she's always letting Michael off the hook. And this time, she justifies it on being separated and having a indiscretion. Which is kind of crazy to me because if, you, if he mad about something you did while y'all were separated, how the hell is he doing all this while y'all are together? I don't get it. It, it, it it seems like she's been deflecting and putting the onus of all of his cheating and all of his can't keep his hands to himself for all of these years back on her, which is the craziest thing. And you know what? It feels like it feels like someone with Stockholm syndrome. I don't know. It feels like a victim being so in love with their victimizer that I don't know, Ashley. It's becoming a little hard to see. And at this point, you got two children with the man. If you about to raise your boys to treat anybody, man or female, man or woman. Why does man or female? Where the hell did that come from? Male or female, man or woman, to treat them like his, their father treats you. I can't do it. And I hate having to give you all of this. But damn, Michael ain't never, he didn't show up to the reunion. So all I got to talk about is the stuff that you were saying out of your mouth. Oh, and we get to the story once again of Michael Darby going to a hotel with a woman that he didn't know, falling asleep naked, waking up, them taking a picture and then blackmailing him apparently. And Ashley saying it was just a sleepover. They didn't sleep together. I don't believe they did. When everybody and their mama, their cousin, their sister, their grandmammy, everybody believes that he slept with that woman. Now, I don't, I just don't know if he picked this time to finally restrain himself. I, you can hear the tiredness in my voice. I just, Ashley, I don't, I just hate having to talk about this man. And then we get to the clip 
that resurfaced. Now, if you've been watching Potomac, you know this clip resurfaced because of someone on Instagram. They were just randomly watching old episodes of Potomac, and they got to somewhere in season one. I think it was Sharice's, like, one of her birthday parties, the episode where he grabbed, uh, was it Andrew's butt? Katie's man with the four fingers. I think, <laughs> see, I didn't have to throw it out there. I don't know why I just threw that out there, but I feel like y'all needed to know. That was a little context for you. I, it, it, it was somewhere at that party. He ran and he grabbed another producer's ass. I'm so glad that Robin opened her mouth in this moment and said that, look, this is what I was talking about at the reunion last year because that's what I immediately thought about when this clip initially surfaced. I said, I wonder if this is what they were speaking about. But then me again, my you know, I'm I'm, pessim- I'm pessimistic by nature. My mind was thinking, well, maybe they've told him about some other instances and that's what they're talking about. But apparently this is the instance, Robin and Giselle both said that this is the instance they're referring to and how that man was uncomfortable. He didn't want to be touched. Andy said the same thing because Ashley went on this whole diatribe talking about, well, no, you know, he calls my husband Zaddy and they have a great relationship. They're super friendly and yada, yada, yada. It's all great. Don't worry. He's not a sexual predator or molester. He's just great and I love him. He's the father of my children. And then Andy says, well, he told us that that touching was unwarranted. It was not wanted. He said that your husband looks like Gollum and he is not interested. He said, now, if Juan, if he wants to touch me, that's okay. But Michael Darby, I don't want you nowhere near me. He said all of that. Okay. Ashley then got defensive. Well, that's funny because he calls my husband Zaddy and they have such a placeful relationship and they text and talk all the time. I, the thing is, let me tell y'all why this bugs me so much. If now multiple producers are saying that there is an employee. Let's take it out of the reality TV world. You go to your job and multiple people, you included and your coworker and another coworker have now told your boss that a man or a woman is constantly making unwarranted sexual advances towards you or uh, inappropriately touching you or doing this or that. I would expect that person to be dealt with immediately. Like I work for a fortune, like 100 company. I couldn't imagine going to my HR department and them letting that person stay there a moment longer. You work for a whole network. Not only are people on screen being sexually harassed, the people backstage are being sexually harassed too. This is is gross to me. And I feel like constantly bringing it up on the show is doing nothing. Why are you talking about it on the show instead of actually taking action about it? This man has been filming for five years. Us as Potomac fans count on Michael Darby being a storyline every year because he can't stop cheating, allegedly. He can't stop uh, uh, making inappropriate gropes and touches and everything else, allegedly. I don't, it's it's just all very crazy to me. I am starting to kind of give myself, how do I say this? I've been, I'm trying to stay with it, but at a certain point, it just gets too gross for me. And I feel like it's going to end up taking 
Juan Dixon or one of the husbands to come forward and say, this man has been very inappropriate to me and I wanted to stop before something's actually done because I don't, apparently men, women, whoever are being touched by Michael, nothing's being done about it. Let me get off my soapbox because I could talk about Michael nasty ass Darby for 3000 years, but I refuse to do it. One thing about this reunion episode I did appreciate though was Andy and Karen talking about her on the show. So he brings up the fact that he felt like Karen has been anything other than an open book all these years, but she's finally started to open up and we finally get a glimpse into why she says that she doesn't feel like she could have acted certain ways while her parents were alive. And she felt like that held her back a lot. Do I believe that? Kinda. I kind of get what you, I, I get what you mean. I'll give you that. But that's been my whole thing with Karen too. So for those of y'all that just started watching this season, I know y'all go up for Karen. Karen is queen. Yes, fish. Uh, that's a nice wig. <laughs> but those of us that have been watching from the beginning, you know, we've seen the wig journey. It's been a journey. It's been a movement. You know, it's 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 definitely gotten better. So we appreciate Karen going on that wig journey. But we've also seen Karen in the past deflect from everything about her personal life. And so that was one of the reasons that always held me back from holding Karen into like that. You know, everybody's trying to like put Karen as one of the, the goats. Like Karen is a top five housewife. And I'm like, okay, that's a that's a bit premature for me, but okay. I can't see it because I feel like this is the first year we've actually gotten to know Karen. The first time we've really met Karen is when she's broken down about her parents, which I think was last season. And then, or maybe season three, it was at the season three reunion when she had that big breakdown. But I feel like I've never gotten to know Karen, ever. And we finally got to know her this year. Her opening up about her relationship with Ray, unheard of, but she actually did it. Her opening up about everything, her parents, her finances, all this kind of stuff. It's been, I'm glad Andy actually made a point to bring that up because as hard as I am on Karen sometimes, that's one of the things I've actually appreciated about her bad wig wearing ass. <laughs> Let me stop. About Karen's ass uh, all these years. So if you keep going down that way and then maybe stop obsessing about Giselle and Robin a little bit because it, it, sometimes it gets obsessive, not necessarily on the show, but on social media. Karen, I might have to unfollow your ass. You get on my nerves. I'll be like, God damn, Karen, you do, you talking a lot about them folk. I mean, damn, I thought you hated them. Just hate them and move on. <laughs> like the rest of us do. <laughs> Let me stop. The last thing I'm going to briefly touch on before I move on to the Bachelorette is they brought up the supposed plot against Monique that was discussed after Andy's baby shower in L.A. Listen. I don't understand why it was given so much credence because I was in agreement with Andy on this. It it was barely on the show. I mean, Giselle said it in episode, what, two? And then we never heard it again. She didn't say it again. None of the cast members cared about it. Sharice was barely on the show. She made like two appearances and that's it. Gigi is nowhere to be found. I don't get why it was such a big deal for the show. So I'm glad they didn't touch on it barely at their reunion. It seems like it's been a big thing for Monique because that's what she's talked about online a lot. But if that's the case, I don't know. Just, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm y'all Potomac has worn me out. I swear. 
I'm ready to move on to the Bachelorette because that's been the one thing I've been super, super, super enjoying this year. And we finally gotten to the end of our journey. We don't, we get a week off, you know, they, they were killing us with these four hour episodes. We get a week off and then we go right into the bachelor. I'm going to get on that journey too. I'm ready. So let's go ahead and close the door on Potomac and talk about the bachelorette. We got two episodes this week, so I'm going to kind of break them down. I mean, there was not a lot to talk about in the second one, but a lot to talk about in the second one. But let's go ahead and talk about the first episode that aired on Monday, which was all about the fantasy suites. I ain't got no panties on, ain't got no panties on, I ain't got no panties on, on the dance floor, hey, pull them panties off, yeah, pull them panties off, yeah, pull them panties off, on the dance, that was a little shout out to all you, all you old folk that used to watch BET Uncut back in the day, y'all know about that Wax a Million, that's the first song, when they, when they said something about fantasy suites, I was like, wait a minute, what is going on this week, y'all get a whole week of just dating and hunching, I didn't, I ain't know what was going on, so, I immediately thought about Wax a Million pulled them panties off, okay? Babyface Ivan is the first one to go on a fantasy suite date. Now, he pulls up to the scene, skirt, skirt, and Tasia wants to break a world record with him. So, they are going for the record for, oh, God, what is it? The world's longest, coldest kiss. So, basically, they, you know, got naked, <laughs> sat in an ice bath and kissed for like five minutes and something. I don't know. I think the record was five minutes and something. And then they went for like seven, something like that. But they had a, a, a great time. So, we thought they had a great time kissing and necking and smoothing and schmoozing and all like that. So, I mean, she, uh, Lord. Later on, they, you know, do they look conversing and all like that. And then they have to decide whether or not they're going to sleep in the same room, quote-unquote room, if they're going to sleep in the same room, or if they're going to sleep in separate rooms and then go on about their business. He immediately decided, you know, she's like, no, it's up to you. He's like, well, was you? Well, let's, we know, let's, let's share a room. She walks him to this uh fantasy suite, and I wish y'all could see me throwing up my air quotes, that fantasy suite, and she walks him over to that trailer that they were going to sleep in for the night. Now, he said the word, what did he say? You know people come up with all this shit. He said it was an Airstream. I don't know anything about an Airstream. I've never been in one. I just know about the things that you hook up to the back of the trucks and you drive them on. So I know about, you know, the people that come from the trailer parks. I don't know about the people that come from Airstream parks, okay? So she took him to that trailer you know, I don't listen. <laughs> y'all gonna get on me for not knowing what the hell an Airstream is. I don't care what an Airstream is. I'm telling y'all right now. She took him to that trailer. Okay, I'm a city boy. All right, I don't know anything about an Airstream. I'm a city boy like JT and Carisha. I don't know nothing about that. All I know was a trailer, a trailer that he had her in or that she had him in. I'm sorry, because I blame them. Ivan was set up. <laughs> he was set up for the car. He was set up. They went into that trailer and then they slept and I would listen. My main thing was I was wondering how they were going to come out of that trailer the next day looking because if they were going to come out and she was going to have on a full face of makeup and all like that, I was like, uh-uh, see y'all bullshitting. I thought y'all was going to wake up, come outside, but she actually came out. She was fresh face, 
He looked like he was just woke up. He still had the spackle in his eye, you know, look crust on his lip, you know, but she had the glasses on. She's still she, beautiful without makeup. I mean, my God, to be that beautiful. Go ahead, Tasia. <sighs> it, 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 it makes the rest of us envy. I don't know what to say, but they sat out in front of that trailer and they had breakfast and they talked and it, it seemed like everything was just beautiful and lovely and like everything was going well. And like, we just knew that Ivan was going to be a top two contestant trailer. Ivan comes back into that one living room that they all sit in. <laughs> he comes back into the living room and you can tell they all just want to know one thing. Did you fuck? Now, I, they weren't going to be classless enough to ask him. Brendan kind of hinted around at it. He know, like, oh, so, so you were up all night. Yeah, you guys had a good time. You were up all night. They didn't ask him. You know me. I, I would have been all in his face. So what y'all do? Just use a condom? Did y'all, I mean, what happened? Y'all, what, what positions were you in? Y'all was in a trailer. A trailer? Ugh. You know, I, I would want to know all of that. It reminded me of the episode. Do you remember the episode of Martin? When Martin has to go to jail, uh, well, not jail, when he has to go to traffic court and he puts Tommy on the stand and he brings his little black book up there and he looks in there and he sees GTG, GTG, what GTD, what is that? You're under oath. What is GTD? And John, Tommy yells out, got the draws. I got the draws. <laughs> they want to know if Ivan got the draws, but nobody was classless enough to ask. That's good. See, I don't know. I, you know, I'm new to Bachelor Nation. I don't know if getting the draws in the fantasy suites is normal. I'm assuming it is. I, I'm guessing, you know, before you marry the person, you want to try out the goods. I don't I don't know. I would assume so. You don't want to go in blind. I mean, <laughs> maybe I'm just nasty. I don't know. Y'all tell me. Maybe some more experienced Bachelor viewers. Y'all tell me. And then I'll go into the Bachelor knowing full well. If they got the draws. I mean, I, I just kind of want to know. Zach is the next one of the bachelors to go out on the fantasy suite kind of day. And of course, they have the sexiest rom-com date of all time. They cover each other in paint and they roll around on the ground on the canvas like Lady and the Tramp. And they just make this beautiful Picasso painting. A beautiful biracial Picasso painting. Just like Ivan and Tasia, Zach and Tasia decide to spend the night together. And guess what? They got an actual suite, not a trailer like Ivan got a suite. And then let me tell you something. We see them the next morning, all happy and giddy. They jumping up and down on them people's beds. Now see, don't let that shit set y'all up for failure. Okay. Watching two people that collectively weigh about 200 pounds jump up and down on a bed. You know, it's, you know, it's cute. You know, now let that be me and one of these big motherfuckers walking around here. The Laquita <laughs> would be suing the hell out of me. They would uh, uh save their credit card number that's on file and they would have a good time burning up my damn credit. All because our big ass is trying to do that skinny woman shit and uh jumping up and down on their bed. See, this is why I need to stick to love and hip hop. 
it's a little more realistic, you know, for my uh my range of dating. You know, Kirk Frost, he take Rashida ass up the street to get ice cream, and that's about it. We can go on dates and eat together. Y'all jumping up and down these people's bed. Them bed people go sue the hell out of y'all. I hope y'all wasn't in the Laquita acting like that. If y'all was in the Jaquita acting like that, I know they put y'all asses out of here. Chris Harrison don't play that shit. Brendan is the last fantasy sweet week date. And you can tell he was ready to go the fuck home, okay? He didn't smile once on that damn date. She took him to meet Neil Lang, who was the main, you know, we learned, uh, you know, when Dale and Claire, I keep forgetting Dale and Claire were on here. My God. He was the one, we met him when he did uh, the engagement ring for Claire and Dale. And now, you know, apparently he does all the wedding rings for The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Tasia was like, you know, I got a surprise. I want you to meet this person. And, you know, she's thinking that he's seen the show before, that he knows who Neil Lang is. She took him in there. Brendan didn't know who the hell that man was. He was like, hello, sir. How are you doing? <laughs> are you Tasia's cousin? You know, great uncle? Did you teach her in, uh, in, in, in high school? I mean, who are you? That man is doing the wedding ring that you're supposed to be giving this lady. But you chumped out on that ass. So he finally comes clean after all of this. Because, you know, he's staring at her hard as hell during this whole uh, give me a wedding ring thing. But when they finally sit down, she kind of confronts him, saying that she wasn't getting good vibes that day. He finally comes clean. He says that he wants a wife and he wants kids and all that jazz so badly, but he's not over his heartbreak of his last divorce. And he's still broken. See, I take issue with that. I feel like that's something you know before you embark on this journey. And now look, I y'all know me. I'm I'm a, I'm a pessimist at nature. <laughs> I'm a little pessimistic. I'll admit it. I call myself a realist. Y'all call me a pessimist. It's okay. I with that being said, Brendan did not want to be with Tasia. I I know it it felt like that has such great energy. But I've always kind of felt, based on his Instagram, I, and I wanted to be wrong too, because I really did love them together. But I always felt, and this is so bad to judge people on the Instagram, but I always felt he wanted this more so for exposure than actually to find love. And him waiting until the finale to tell her that, oh yeah, by the way, uh, I still ain't ready for none of this shit. <laughs> so I'm going on home after I'd made it this far. But uh, when I sign with Wilhelmina Models, maybe I'll think about you then. See, that's the shit I'm talking about. He wanted to play Prince Charming this whole time. And then he wanted to leave so that he could be the next Bachelor. Little does he know, we're rooting for Ben to be the next Bachelor. Damn you, Brendan. How about that, you heifer? What's really crazy is this actually really made me feel bad for Tasia. You can tell that that was her, oh, it's bad, you know. That was her number one, and you can really tell. She seemed genuinely hurt because she kept saying, like, wow, I, that was the guy that I thought was going to be it. Like, genuinely, I love all these guys, but I definitely thought that since the beginning that was going to be the guy. But what's really funny is she hit his ass with that same thing she hit everybody with. Can I walk you out? <laughs> she walked that man clean out that damn building. He got in that truck and then she uh, was hit with despair and heartbreak and sorrow and everything else that she gets hit with every damn episode. Before this first 
finale episode ends, we get two surprise visitors. The first one, of course, is Rachel with the box braids. Not to be confused with Becky with the good hair. This was Rachel with the box braids. And she pops up on Tasia. They got to talk Black Bachelorette to Black Bachelorette. Do you hear me? She recaps to him how much Brendan kind of hurt her. She talks about how Ivan and Zach gave her exactly what she needed during the Fantasy Suite talks. But she also talked about missing Brendan. And she threw out there, not just because he's hot. <laughs> she really missed that man. And she, uh, how she loved that he finally opened up to her. And, but he didn't do it at the moment that she needed him to. And then Rachel said everything perfectly. Everything that we've been saying for the past week since this all happened. She says he probably shut down because when you sent him home, he had just like basically bared his soul to you and now you sent him home. So showing you who he was didn't help him at all. Why would he continue to do that? And you know what? She's right. But why hear it from her when we can hear it from Ben himself? The next thing we know, Ben walks into the Jaquita Resort and Spa with his knickerbockers on, his pedal pushers on. You, you know there's some old shit right there, pedal pushers. <laughs> How many of you people over 40 just laugh when I said pedal pushers? Don't worry about it. You know a man is on a mission when he shows up with his knickerbockers on. Ben had his knickerbockers on, his wide-brimmed uh, collar shirt that he always wears, and he had an S-curl. He hadn't had this S-curl the whole time he was on the show, but that little curl up front, it meant that he was on a mission. He was coming to get his woman back, okay? He was coming to find out if he was going to be the next Bachelor's when he really came to find out. <laughs> they let him go after talking to Chris Harrison and basically just let him profess his love to Tasia. He told her everything. She was shocked. She was just standing there staring at him. And she's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? Right before I go to the damn rose ceremony. Y'all can't never do this shit uh, a week beforehand. Y'all always do it right when I'm getting ready to put my, uh, these damn Jessica Simpson boots on and go to the rose ceremony to break all these people's heart. Y'all got to do it right then. And you know what? I'm not mad at Ben, and you're not going to make me be mad at Ben Tage, okay? Now we get into the big, big finale. We pick right up where Ben is expressing his love for Tasia and she's giving him the business because he has basically said that he's told everybody in his life, his mama, his sister, uh, uh, Chris Harrison, Ivan, uh, Zach, everybody that he loves Tasia so much except her. He told everybody except her. And she's giving him the business like, well, why are you telling everybody except me? But, of course, she ends up inviting him to the rose ceremony, as she should. Now, listen, I got problems with the way this episode progresses, okay? It, I like the way it ended. I just didn't like the journey to get there. Let me say that. Ben shows up to the rose ceremony, and Ivan and Zach look like they've seen a damn ghost. They are looking crazy as hell. Now, see, they better than me. They actually kind of, you know, like, oh, hey, man, how's it going? What's T? You know, what you heard? You know, is is Obama still president? You know, they, they giving them small talk and everything. Now, see, me, I would have had to give them one of those uh, rehearsed Taraji P. Henson speeches from Hidden Figures. You know, that's my favorite movie. I would have to, you know, skirt below my knees, a simple string of pearls. Well, I don't own pearls. Lord knows you don't pay color enough to afford pearls. 
and I work like a dog day and night living off a of coffee from a pot none of you want to touch <sighs> so Chris Harrison <laughs> I don't mind that I have to use the bathroom every now and then see you had to give him a little speech Y'all, y'all don't give speeches no more. That's the problem. Y'all just accept shit the way it goes. You got to have a speech rehearsed. You remember when reality TV people had speeches rehearsed at the drop of a dime? Y'all, y- y'all ain't doing it right no more. That's okay. Y'all looking for love, and I guess love looking for y'all or whatever uh, cute, silly, romantic comedy shit y'all say. Listen, this next part literally made the pit of my stomach drop. Tasia walks up to the three of them. And she tells Ivan, can I talk to you really quickly? Now, you know, that's the kiss of death right there. Whenever Tasia says, can I talk to you really quickly? You already know. You might as well pack your shit. <laughs> pack up them that one-ass suitcase y'all bring to the Laquita and get out of there. Listen, I immediately got those Riley vibes. The same vibes I got when she told Riley can we talk? And she brought him out there and she sent his ass home right in that van. I got the same feeling. She told Ivan all kind of bull. She says, look, uh, uh, something about religion or I don't, I guess I missed this last week when they talked about it, but something about religious and uh, apparently Tasia is religious. I don't know. I, I missed all of that, but apparently that's a big thing. Now see, I don't believe you religious. That's the thing. You sat up there and you kissing all these men's and you know they say in church, if you kiss these men's, you go get pregnant. Not like the Virgin Mary, you go get pregnant if you kiss all these men's. I don't know if I believe that excuse, Tasia, but she did whatever she could to put that man in the back of that uh, limousine and he was crying. Oh, Lord, it was just too much. See, Tasia, you didn't send another black man home and by law, you are not allowed to get on the shade room ever again. You are not allowed to comment on gossip or uh, 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 Madame Noir, none of that. You can't comment on none of that ever again. Embracing black culture, none of that. You can't comment on none of that stuff again. You can never change your TV to VH1 ever again. You are never allowed to step foot in another Tyler Perry play. You got to keep your ass at home. Now, you got to go see uh, like Les Miserables or Phantom of the Opera, something like that. You can't go see uh, uh, Mama the Lord's Tide and uh, Lord Mama's Tide too. You can't go see none of that. You got to stay at home because you didn't send another damn black man home. But you know what? It's okay. You know why? Because the bachelor, Matt, Matt James, he ain't gonna pick a black woman. Okay. Anyway, Ben and Zach get their roses. And now my favorites. You remember I told you I like, I love Zach for her, but I wanted Ben to win. You know, I did, I felt both ways. I love both of them, but I'm still mad as hell about Ivan. I'm not going to forget that shit, Tasia. We just got to be for a little while longer. The first thing we get to do is Ben gets to meet and hang out with Tasia's family. It looks like it's kind of a quick process. They all kind of uh, have a ball with them. They they skating in the park, you know, doing that shit he like to do on the boardwalk. He has conversations with them, but it's, it doesn't seem like deep conversations. It's like, oh, you went to uh, oh Navy versus Army, oh boy, in military, you know, kind of shallow conversation but then when it gets to zach's conversation the next day it seems like he has to defend himself a lot more than ben did now i don't know if tasia told her family that zach maybe had the edge out on ben i don't know maybe they saw him a little differently they knew that he was a better choice for her and maybe they just you know kind of 
gave him the blues a little bit more. But what, regardless of whatever it was, he articulated himself super well the entire time. He tells her dad that he knows how much he's done for her and that it actually kind of excites him to be able to reach those expectations that her father and her both have for her. It felt like, I don't know, it felt like we were seeing a lot more of the interactions with Zach and her family than we did with Ben and her family. Maybe I'm just overthinking it or maybe this is all hindsight thought. I don't know. Now that we know how this actually ended. But regardless, he did all that, but he seemed to have passed the test. Both of them seemed to get A's in the, the family department. What's stressful and funny is the very next day after giving both of these guys the best reviews in the world, her dad comes back and said, girl, don't do it. Don't do it, Tasia. Both of them are evil and they need to be destroyed. Don't marry now one of them. (laughs) He basically puts even more doubt in her head than she already had. She already had a lot of doubt in her head because of her own previous divorce. And I think that's why she was so attached to Brendan because she felt like, If anybody could relate, it was him, but I guess that shit backfired, huh? I don't know. But now every word for the remainder of the episode seems to be about her actually doubting whether or not she loves these men enough to get married. Listen, I guess Zach, I don't know if he put it on or put it on her or what happened, but they went on that date and they did like this traditional wedding ballroom dancing and you know they spinning and twirling having the time of their life smiling you know they look like they were in a uh, an astrazeneca commercial or something you know a noxzema or neutrogena commercial smiling throwing water in their face splashing all that reckless shit they do in the bathroom and they just having the time of their life but when it comes to being the next day she don't get that man the time of day they show Ben in his tower. That man couldn't even get dressed good before she come knocking on this door telling him, can we talk? <laughs> can we talk? Now she tells him, look, he's like, I'm so confident. I just know that me and Tasia have a connection more than anybody else. I'm ready for love, yada, yada, yada. And she says, I don't want you, bitch. Okay. I don't want you, bitch. She goes to his door. She hits him with that. Can we talk? Can I walk you out? And didn't even walk the man out. That man had to walk to his car by himself. Now, see, that's some bullshit. That man had to get put in the back of that uh, Uber XL and got sent on home after he had just packed his bag to come back. Now, thankfully, he had just came back, so his bag wasn't that damn heavy. But still, you didn't have to do him like that, Tasia. Justice for Ben. We want Ben to be the next Bachelor or Bachelorette or <laughs> or who the hell ever. Next love and hip-hop star. I don't care. Next little woman in Atlanta. We want him to be something. Ben needs to be our next bachelor. And see, that'll get Brendan to kicking his ass that he deserved for playing in that woman's face. Brendan, you played in that woman's face. I don't care what them women telling you in your comments on Instagram. They just thirst trapping. That's all it is. They don't care about you. They care about you as much as you cared about Tasia. How about that? Ultimately, Tasia chose her man. She wanted her some Zach. She was happy and so happy with him. And you know what? Despite what y'all may think, I'm very, very happy with this choice. I didn't like how we got there. You didn't have to play in all these people's faces, but I'm happy you chose him. He was the perfect match for you. Zach loved her dirty draws. Do you hear me? He got emotional every time he talked about her. He got emotional when he thought about her meeting his family. He was happy to meet the dad. He had all the perfect answers and all that. I'm... (sighs) 
I'm happy for you, Tasia. I won't continue to uh throw salt on your name. You know that's my specialty, but I won't do that anymore. I'm happy you came in, Tasia, and you saved the season. So I really ain't got nothing but respect for you. Tasia, thank you. What do you guys think? Did you like her picking Zach? Or did you want her to pick Ben or Ivan or Brendan or somebody else along the way that, uh, did you want her to pick Joe? <laughs> Joe that we lost weeks ago. You know, I, I want to know. Do you think that Cynthia was wrong as hell for wanting that big ass wedding when Mike just wanted to have it at Lake Bailey? And are you tired of hearing about this fight on Potomac? Well, listen, I got the same feelings. Go ahead and email me, housewivesmarvelpodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at Housewives Marvel Podcast where we could keep up all the mess. We laugh. We have a great time on that podcast. And you get to find out about everything that I'm doing. Every time I'm a guest on someone else's podcast, every time I'm going live with someone, we're doing a trivia coming up soon. I'm currently uh, doing my 12 Days of Controversy holiday series. Get on there. Follow me, join the madness, join the love. I love you all. This is Kendrick, the self-proclaimed season ticket holder of pop culture, your mama's favorite black geek, and I will see you guys next week. Maybe I might take a damn vacation. You never know with me. See ya! Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.